Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. My guest today is a successful entrepreneur who's built a solid uh, and built and sold many companies in the medical and tech industry, which provided him with a solid foundation for his leap into the cannabis industry. He earned his MBA from the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State University. He's now the CEO of Balance Health Botanicals and has helped to grow the business to one of the top companies in the CBD market with over $60 million in sales in 2019. Chase Terwilliger, welcome to Let's Be Blown Montel. Thanks for having me, Montel. Absolutely, sir. Thank you so much for being here. Look, let's talk a little bit uh, about your background. Like, where did you grow up and things like that? Yeah, I grew up in uh, right outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, great childhood. And then then moved out to Colorado uh, to go to University of Colorado for, for undergrad. Okay. And, you know, what was your professional background before you entered the CBD industry? Yeah, my undergrad degree was in integrative physiology. Um, so wanted to become a doctor and then got intrigued by the medical device industry, uh, jumped into the medical device industry, and then um, ended up uh, moved to Chicago and then came back here to, uh, to Colorado and started my own business in the medical device industry. And then um, from there, uh, sold that company um, and got out of medical device and into technology, as as you said earlier. Um, and that's really when things started to open up. My eyes started to open up and, and seeing what technology can do for a business. And then um, we sold that company. And then I was asked to join a CBD company. Uh, I knew nothing about CBD at all. I wasn't a cannabis user, wasn't surely wasn't against it, but just never raised up, you know, with that around me. And, and at Boulder, it was there, of course, uh, in Colorado, but um, again, wasn't really for or against it. Um, jumped into it, didn't really know a lot about CBD and how people would react to it. Um, and then the testimonials started coming in about a month into me. Um, I was actually consulting at the time um, and the testimonials, it was just changing people's lives. So I started to become a user. Um, I'm, you know, a full-fledged cannabis user. Go ahead. A cannabis user or a CBD user. I was going to so ask I'm, I'm a CBD user and then evolved into a cannabis user. That's what we see a lot with, with our customers, and we can get into it later. But is this evolution, destigmatizing the plant with CBD and then understanding that it has all these other benefits and then getting into the, you know, what we call marijuana or the higher strength THC. Um and it's it's changed my life, um, you know, not only from a business standpoint, but also from a from a personal standpoint. So I'm extremely passionate about it now. Well, I mean, as we take a look at this industry, and you know, I've been involved in the cannabis CBD industry now for 20 years, long yeah. before it was Vogue. Way back in 2001, I came forward and held a press conference to talk about the fact that I was a user and uh, for medical purposes. Um, but even in the 20 years, I, I I still think that today we are no further down the road than you know, the Wright brothers pushing that wooden plane down a hill. I mean, right. I this industry has so much more growth. And, um, you know, uh, I, I, I literally was involved in conversations with Dr. Sanjay Gupta before he was a believer in CBD, before he did his first uh, special on cannabis, um, kind of called him out on Pierce Morgan, uh, because at that time he was really very anti-cannabis. And, um, you know, our confrontation 
made him, led him down a path to go ahead and ask to do that full-blown special. Um, but as we look at the information that's out there and available even today, I mean, I still think, um, you know, we as an industry are doing ourselves a disservice because we're not spending as much time educating the masses as we need to, mm. the consumers as we need to, to make them understand that just like THC isn't the end all, CBD isn't the end all. There are another, depending on who you read, 200 to 250 individual cannabinoids that are out there that still need to be exploited and understood. Um, when you first got into the business, I mean, were, did you not kind of look at it as being a little daunting and trying to figure out which way do I go? Do I go with just a CBD product, which we know mm, in some cases there have been a lot of people who have gone down the Charlotte's Web path and, and coal and gone down to CBD hole initially for, let's say, anti-seizure properties and things like that, then realize that mm, not enough or realize that it worked for a while, stopped working, they had to change the formulations. When you entered into business, was that all going through your head? Uh, it wasn't initially, but then, you know, probably year two, year three, that's really when it started kicking because CBD was so hot when we got into the business in 2016 or it was just starting to uh, to um, increase in popularity because there was now studies coming out around, you know, the benefits of CBD. Um, and then once, you know, we started hearing more and more feedback from the customers, especially our group, we, we had what we were calling con cannabis connoisseurs, people who really knew the plant well. And so they would call us out and say, hey, can you go and take a look at CBN? Can you go look at CBC and CBG? Um, because I think if you tweak it, um, that will help you know, my, my condition. Um, and so we've done that over the years. And, and I would say out of all the CBD companies, we have the most um, available um, minor cannabinoids. And still, it's just, as you kind of mentioned, it's just still a, the tip of the iceberg for what we're going to explore in the future. And it's really difficult to, um, to market these cannabinoids because we have limitations on what we can say about their effects. And then at the same time, they say, well, and they being regulators say, well, go get that, you know, get the data, the raw data, and then come back to us. Well, when we go to a University of Colorado or one of those institutions to try and do studies on these minor cannabinoids, it's shut down by their internal review board because it's not technically legal right now on a federal level. And but then again, the Fed has kind of lifted some of the constraints. I literally last week I was at yeah. uh, MIT. And I uh, was shocked that MIT has opened up a department specifically to study minor cannabinoids and terpenes and interaction with, you know, flavonoids and other things. So, you know, I think it's the word has gotten out there. But, um, you know, I've been been just really disappointed in the speed with which the Fed and universities are accepting the data on something that, you know, we know that there are, what, uh, 2021, there was probably 3,500 peer-reviewed published documents worldwide on cannabis. Last year, another 3,500 peer-reviewed published documents. There's been more published documents on cannabis in the last 10 years than any other nutraceutical pharmaceutical out there. Yet, the industry still acts like, uh, and, and the government still acts like we don't have enough information. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's really encouraging to hear, you know, what you saw or heard at MIT. We're starting to hear that, you know, over probably the last 12 months. So we have, 
you know, when we're doing our planning as a business and what we can roll out to customers, um, a lot of those studies take a year or two. And so that's starting to be put into our plan um, when those studies come out, because that's when it really what starts to move the needle and where, where people understand, you know, what does this do for me? And is there science backing it? Well, I mean, just at that point right there, can you cover a little bit just for our listeners? And I know that, you know, we're skirting a, a you know, an uncomfortable line in identifying, but we can say there has been research that says the following. Yep. You take it for you that I'm making that as our blanket statement. So what we're going to cover is what has research said and identified CBD as the capability of doing. What do, what do you think are some of the benefits of CBD? Yeah, research in general has really pointed to three main components for CBD um, or ailments rather. Um, one is sleep. Uh, one's anxiety or mild anxiety. Um, and the other is pain. And that's, you know, typically what we see in our customer base, what they're using it for. And I think a lot of that has to do with anti-inflammatory effects that we now know that our own government, you know, back in 2001, 2002, gave itself a patent for. People don't, will not stop and understand that the United States government, after having spent somewhere around $60 million in research over 20 years at the University of Mississippi in Israel, had identified CBD way back in 2000. Matter of fact, 1999 actually applied for its own patent, gave themselves a patent. It's 6630-6603-507. They gave themselves their own patent. And in that patent, in the abstract, it identifies clearly what the government says CBD does. So here we are 20 years later, and they're saying, well, we don't have enough research out there to understand. It's like I feel like reaching through a screen and smacking somebody when I hear them say that. Well, thank you for saying that because um, I didn't I didn't have to there with the smack comment because it, it is extremely frustrating on our part. You know, we've taught, had many conversations with the FDA, rather whether directly or with um, through industry groups that were uh, on the board of, and they ask for things like liver toxicity studies. Well, we invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in liver toxicity studies, and it showed that at the levels that people are consuming CBD and our customers are consuming CBD. There are not elevated enzymes. And then there was a second cohort of companies that, and it, that did it and showed the same exact thing. And we turned that over. And again, it's not enough information. It just continually, we also do adverse event reporting. We have since day one. So we have millions of people and we report every single adverse event. And if anything, um, uh, is serious, we turn it over to the FDA. So they have all that information. But they had the information themselves before you ever offered them even one email. Right, right. I guess that's what I'm trying to control and trying to provide. But as you mentioned, and, and you are right, you know, we're still this much of the information that they actually have and they won't do anything. So yeah, it's been extremely frustrating because it it just, it puts the handcuffs on us. It puts the handcuffs on our consumers um, for really knowing what's out there and making a choice for what is the best thing for them to help solve whatever ailment they may be dealing with. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million-dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name is Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. Right, and you know, as we're, we're looking at, like uh, right now I have, a, I have some products in the marketplace in Massachusetts. I have a CBD brand myself that's going to launch here. We're seeing, as I've kind of concentrated in the last several years, longer than it's been vogue again, concentrating on making sure that uh, we pay attention to the terpenes. Terpenes are things that we've known so much about for 30 years. Terpenes appear naturally in other vegetables or fruits and plants. They appear in all plants. And they have been studied over and over and over again, making them available to the public. And, um, you know, uh, it's it's interesting, though, now that, you know, there are so many choices up there, uh, out there for the, the consumer coming back to what I was saying earlier, that's where I think that we as an industry do ourselves a disservice because we don't spend as much time educating the consumer, letting the consumer know that, excuse me, this isn't something new. This is something that your own government studied for 20 years before it gave themselves a patent. Um, Does that, and you know, the patent did run out um, into 2020, but I, and I've gotten mixed reviews from people, mixed, mixed, information for people and i don't know what to believe whether or not the truth is that the government extended the patent for themselves do you know i i don't know i apologize i don't know if they extended no, no, no. yeah i mean they're, they're, it's, it's really kind of iffy you go try to figure it out some ways they say that they extended the patent and other ways they say they didn't so at least now that they are not the patent holder anybody can do really basically what they want when it comes to cbd and some of the other minor cannabis you had talked about the fact that you know we know that CBD does help a little when it comes to sleep, but it's CBN that probably is the primary yeah. company with helping that along with CBC, as you pointed out, along with the terpenes on top of that, right? Right, exactly. And and I, I'm so glad you brought up the terpenes and I, I, I figured you, you may um, just because of, you know you have much more experience than I do in the cannabis industry, but it has been so incredible. Um, as a brand, we've always left terpenes in all the products and it efficacy is night and day. Now we're still trying to figure out what that terpene profiles needs to be for the right um, ailments. But all we know is when we keep those in there, which sometimes difficult to do in some of these products, especially when you're getting into gummies and whatnot, um, the efficacy is, is much higher. Right. I've, I've noticed that uh, for the, at least the last mm, six years, I have literally been combining both CBD and THC together and let's say the same vape cart or the same capsules for edible and using only primarily cannabis based terpenes, though with some of my edibles, I have included a little bit of botanical terpenes, depending on what the edible is. But I mean, um, and I think that the terpenes themselves actually do help with making the cannabinoids a little bit more bioavailable because they bond quicker inside the liver and the stomach. You know, you go through the stomach or the liver, going into the bloodstream. So um, I'm excited about that, that. And, you know, right now I literally have a product in the marketplace, a vape cart in the marketplace in 
Massachusetts, I literally have uh, four different SKUs, which are a uh, 90 to 10 THC to CBD with particular terpenes just for that. I have a one-to-one. I have a flip the other direction, a seven to three, 70% CBD, 3%, 30% THC with particular terpenes. And then I just launched a brand new one, which is a, a, we call it snooze product, which is THC, CBD, CBN, and CBC in the same cart along with particular terpenes. And I mean, I, I, anecdotally, uh, I get back from almost uh, to the letter. Every single person says, that's the one that puts them down. And um, the information is out there and available. But when you look at some of the other products that are out there in the marketplace, you realize that all CBD products are not the same. With over 3,000 brands of CBD products in the market, it can be overwhelming for the consumer. But the overwhelming part is the fact that some of these products have less than like, you know, what, 0.01% CBD, which is, is sickening to me. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's been uh, one of the hardest challenges over the last few years when, you know, we went from having 20 CBD companies to, as you said, 3000 plus CBD companies um, because of the bad actors. Um, There's a number of things that they do. You mentioned one of them, like right off the bat, um, year one and two was all about their actual amount of CBD that were in these products. Because as you know, from being a formulator, it's not easy to formulate these, these natural products and get the right amount in there. We reject matches all the time and have to test it the whole time. Let me tell you, I tell you a crazy story that happened to us. We literally had a product line in the marketplace in California, Oregon. Um, I think we're in, oh, in Arizona, no, in Las Vegas. And then, uh, you know, I stopped the partnership that I was working with there. I moved over to the East Coast. And, you know, a couple of years later, I relaunched my products. And then what we found, which was really kind of very unusual, it's like, again, Cannabinoids love them, love each other in the plant. Yeah, they love each other. They appear and they they beautifully interact and they hold each other's hands in the plant. But when you start to isolate them and then try to put them back together, they have a little bit of issue with each other. We started noticing that because I, I literally in my first uh, uh, big CBD vape cart product, I put out a CBD that was ninety percent CBD by volume. 10% THC with particular terpenes and then started to notice that in solution over time, it wouldn't happen for the first two or three weeks, but if you heat it up, let it chill, heat it up, let it chill, it starts this cloudy looking separation and that cloudy looking separation where people will claim, complain, Oh, my child, your product is crystallizing. It's not crystallizing. It's just not having fun in the bathtub together. Yeah. <laughs> Heat that shit up, it'll go right back into solution right. in my mouth. But you know, people were so, oh, it's gotta be crystallizing. There's nothing wrong with the product. Smoke the damn thing. That's what you bought it for. Yeah. However, I understood that. So then we went ahead and reformulated to bring that level down so that it would be able to stay in solution no matter what. Because I can't, you know, be in the living room of every consumer and tell them hit that daggone thing again today. Instead, you know, they might hit it this morning, sit it down, let it sit for four or five hours, so it heat it up, cool down separate it a little bit, but all you had to do is heat it up again and it'll go right back into solution. Yeah, we. it's funny that you say that because we've had similar product. We used to have vape carts. Um, we don't anymore, um, but those were always issues, uh, same issues that you had. And, you know, um, and then we went through a phase 
you know, this kind of version one with our tinctures and some of our high strength tinctures would do that. And I remember um, I asked customer service, what are we doing, you know, to combat that? We're going to send them another one. They're like, yeah, but a lot of people are just putting it in the microwave. I'm like, I, I don't know, but they're heating it back up and swirling it because they're yeah, that kind of faster. I'm like, let's just send them a new one and then we'll let's figure it out on the next batch. Hit them with a blow dryer, you know, just a little yeah, bit yeah. Of, just enough to make it to make it go back in a solution. And I mean, you know, I mean, but it, it, again, making sure that the consumer understands there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's just, right. it's just that they don't really love each other that much when you start to do these isolates. And we're going to start to see that, I think, even more and more and more as we start to prove out that, you know, it's not CBD by itself. It's CBDA. It could be CBDV. It could be DHCA, THCV, adding those back in. You know what I mean? Putting those together and making sure that your solution is one that's that's a little bit more complex than just one particular isolate. You know what I mean? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, and then kind of back to that, those 3000 companies, those bad actors, as you hit the nail on the head, um, you know, they didn't, they don't have the right solutions. You know, you could go on a Amazon and there would be products for a fourth of the price that would have 50,000 milligrams of THC in a 30 mil bottle. Right. Um, so there was just mislabeling. And then it kind of evolved into um what was in those products and so as you know being in the industry we have to test constantly right hemp marijuana cannabis in general sucks up all the heavy metals you know the fields can get dusted by yeah. surrounding fields with pesticides um it's not an easy crop to keep clean and so people would just say oh well whatever i grew this so i got to put it on the plant and there'd be heavy metals in products and whatnot right. um we were buying from farmers for a little bit when we were undersupplied and we would get it back. And it, I mean, 95% would have too much heavy metals or pesticides. Um, yeah. So one of those people, people do not understand. And we, and again, this is, I think a problem in the industry with us. Yeah. We've not done a good, as good a job of educating the masses as we should. I mean, if we let them know, I mean, right, right now, since Chernobyl, you know, the Russians have been, been growing hemp all over the Chernobyl field, trying to leach out the heavy metals and the, and the radiation. Yeah. So this is a plant that we know has done this for thousands of years. That's what the plant is able to do if you use it the right way. But do you want to end up smoking that same crap that just leached up crap out of the ground? Hell no. Do you want to eat that? Hell no. So, you know, the hemp is not hemp is not hemp. And so if you plant hemp on a field that had nothing but pesticides used on it two years ago for, I don't know, tomatoes and and uh, soybeans, those same pesticides are going to wind up in your plant, in your hemp plant. And then in your lungs. And then in your lungs or in your stomach or in your liver yeah. or your kidneys. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree, I think. But one of the things that we as an industry have to do is do a better job of being able to convince the consumer that there's nothing wrong with the product. You just have to make sure you've got an efficacious one. So, one of the things that I like to tell people is that I don't put anything in my body unless I got a COA. Yep. I can't find a COA on it. I, I'm going to pass on using it because, you know, and I, I'm saying certificate of analysis that can break down what is in the product that I'm using, whether it's a smokable, edible, or dabable or whatever. Uh, there's no reason why the sales group can't give me a COA. Absolutely. I mean, and I think, and I'd love to hear your, your uh, input on this. You know, with the FDA, when when there is some type of regulation around that um, and around CBD products, let's just talk about CBD right now. Um, 
they have the ability to treat it just like a dietary supplement where you have to provide COAs, you have to provide full traceability, all stuff that, you know, our company has right now, thinking that FDA would have regulated this three, four years ago. Um, but I think that will help, obviously, the consumer and get rid of some of the bad actors, as long as there's enforcement. You know, even in Colorado, where we're based, um, we have a mature or a maturing um cannabis industry, there's still very little enforcement. We're trying to, you know, are you at a state level to get more, more dollars in the budget to go in and, and clean up these bad actors? And then that kind of evolves also into the black market, right? The, the normal consumer thinks, oh, well, I can just go buy, you know, I can buy an ounce down the street for 50 bucks. Um, dispensary, it's 60 bucks. And I got to pay tax. Yet, if, if anybody has seen what they spray on most of the black market stuff and the pesticides that are involved, you'd be running for the hills and you'd go to your dispensary every single time. But I, to your point, how do we educate the consumer on that and how do we get it out there other than time and unfortunately, probably bad experiences from people? We're all right. the issue. Well, you know, I, I, that's why I, I literally am at the top of my lungs screaming all the time that, you know, we really have to do a better job as an industry. You know I mean? I, I look back at that time, I, this is still an industry that, you know, we go to conventions and point the finger at each other or, you know, uh, that, that guy, that guy. And and we haven't gone to an industry, I haven't been to an industry event yet where we really have come together as an industry and said, it's time for us to now start policing ourselves. And we should be. The industry has, has matured enough to date to be able to do that. To be able to call out, and I'm not calling out people so I want to get you in trouble, but damn it, stop making life hard on me. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't agree with anything more than what you just said. We have had that issue, and, and we have people on our executive team that have been in many different commodity-type markets, um, CPG markets. And the first thing that they said when they got in here and we started laying out the landscape is, oh, my gosh, nobody works together, not even the hemp companies really work together. We're, and then you have hemp versus marijuana. We're seeing it right here in Colorado um, with some legislation that um, tried to get snuck through last year that would basically have crippled the hemp industry that the marijuana industry was putting through. But then when we all got to the table, it was very contentious. We were on a task force. And now people are starting to have those discussions. And I really feel like this legislation's less legislative session, we're going to move forward and take that first step into the hemp companies coming together, the marijuana companies to coming together to be cannabis. We have to be cannabis if we're going to win on a federal level and get anything done, to your point. Um, and it's just right here in my backyard happening right now. Yeah, which which is really, I mean, it's, it's almost, it's disheartening some to me that, you know, as long as, we, I mean, dude, I, I, I started, I jumped out here, stuck myself in jeopardy back in, 2002 and had been running around the country speaking before legislatures for like 10 years, 12 years, constantly still doing it now. And it pisses me off a little bit. The fact that, you know, all the hard work we've done, sorry, I had to move my, my puppy just came in with me. Hey, Jackpot. <laughs> um, you know, all the hard work that we've done, you know, we still have people who aren't willing to just stop for a second and say, okay, let's learn from what has been come before us and figure out how we can, turn this into a unified industry that Congress and the Senate will take, you know, seriously. But as long as we're fighting each other, as long as we're trying to scrape out our own little fiefdom, we ain't getting anywhere. Right. 
Absolutely. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, Balanced Health Botanicals and what sets you apart from everybody else. Yeah, so our main, main brand is CB Distillery. Uh, we are one of the first 10 brands in CBD. Um, and it, it wasn't that long ago. Just We started in, uh, beginning in 2016. Um, CB Distillery has always been um, about getting accessibly uh, priced uh, CBD to people around the nation. Um, we've actually we've sold around the world, but mostly we just concentrate here on you in the U.S. Um, most of our products, about 90% of our SKUs are full spectrum. So we have a full cannabinoid profile, full plant squeeze. Um, and then we do offer some broad spectrum um, products as well. Um, what separates us is we have had a value since day one driven to succeed the right way. We always do things the right way. And what that means is we set up as, you know, what we foresee being the guidelines and regulations in the future, um, you know, regulating CBD as a dietary supplement from day one, where you can go into our facility, it's NSF certified. Um, we, we do eight, um, six rounds of testing before it gets to the consumer. Um, and we do adverse event um, uh, reporting and whatnot. So that that's one of the things that separates us. It's really hard to, to have that value proposition to the customer, which is what we struggle with is the quality behind everything until they get educated. The other side of things is our products. I mentioned it earlier. We're, we're big fans of terpenes. Um, I have a great business partner who's really more on the product side. He's a, He's been a cannabis guy since day one. Um, and, and teaches me a whole lot about it, but he has developed some just phenomenal products, um, specifically the lately um, gummy products that uh, were able to have um, natural CBD and THC, um, not isolated pro isolated CBD or isolated THC that we put into the products, all natural, and keep the terpenes in there and still have um, a pleasant taste, uh, which can be challenging with a with a gummy or edible. Right. And um, if people want to hear more about the company, where would they go? So we, we sell mostly online. So it's easy. CBDistillery.com. Mm -hmm. And are you guys, do you, are you white labeling for anybody else? Are you uh, looking to, to absorb other brands? What are you doing? You know, right now, um, it, I guess it's worth mentioning, we were acquired by a public company uh, in the summer of 2021 uh, named Village Farms, uh, trade on NASDAQ. Um, they have marijuana. They're the number one uh, LP in Canada right now. Um, they actually, it's, it's kind of unique. They take their um, tomatoes. Um, they used to grow tomatoes and they've converted the greenhouses into marijuana. Uh, which is very phenomenal, and, and we'll do so uh, the same here in in uh, in the U.S. Wow. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So, uh, why why is the supply chain control so important to your business? Uh, for some of the things that we've mentioned before, right? It it there's there's so many things that can get into the plant. Um, that we have challenges with our suppliers on the on the growing side and on the extractor side. We have some great extractors, but there's things that can enter the app there, you know, the atmosphere. There can be molds that, you know, you find in in everywhere around. But if there's too much concentrated in the product, you know, you're going to have a supply chain issue. And if you don't have you have a batch that's rejected and, you know, this day and age in the CBD industry, you have to manage your inventory so tight because you know, it's not this explosive growth like it was before. So you have to manage every single dollar. 
tightly. So you take your inventory down a bit. If that gets constrained, now all of a sudden it's out of stock on the website. And because of testing, right? Testing, testing for molds and full panel tests take a week, week and a half sometimes. So you could be out between production and testing the input material, testing the final product. And then, I mean, you could be out a month easy. On right. So it's been really challenging on the supply side. We're trying to internalize as much as we can into our facility um, just so we can control, um, control what's been put out there and the timing. What do you think about uh, what's happening in the rest of the world? I mean, you know, the Chinese have now decided to get into this business in a big way. You know, there are people claiming that they have a couple hundred thousand, you know, hectares of land that are, are just dedicated to uh, hemp cannabis growth. They're trying to isolate the legal cannabinoids and then make them isolates. So I think the federal government is allowing them to come in. Uh, places like Colombia, places like Isle of Man, Spain, uh, Africa. I mean, I think in, in short order, number one, if, if they end up producing a product that is pretty pure and we can, you know, and they can they can tout that it is, you we may end up running into an issue where the majority of our isolates are coming from uh, international markets other than THC. Yep. I, I think you're right. You know, I, I would love to hear what your thoughts are, but maybe five five years out from that. We still have an oversupply here. That's what's kind of, if you know, if I'm sure you have, but if your viewers have heard of Delta-8, that's kind of what's led to this proliferation of Delta-8 is, is oversupplied CBD and hemp here. I, I think that's probably one of, I personally believe Delta-8 is probably one of the dumbest things this industry has ever done. I, I'll be honest with you. Right? Because again, you know, there's most people who, who, gravitate to cannabis gravitate because they want some sort of a natural product well why the hell would you consume a product that's forced i mean De delta a does appear naturally in the plant but at such small levels that there are assholes out there that are pushing cbd into delta eight which is in using chemicals from underneath the cabinet you know underneath the sink to do so i'm not really necessarily sure and that you know I, i've i've probably not done a real double blind study, but I've done a, a, a conversational study with folks because I do, you know, uh, uh, dispensary visits in Massachusetts all the time. And I'll have people come up to me and say, well, I tried Delta A, but it gave me a headache. And it's like over and over and over again, I hear adverse effects of Delta A. And I try to say to them, well, the reason why is because your endocannabinoid system doesn't recognize what that is. It's not real. Yeah, you you have something in your body that is there to recognize plant-based cannabinoids, but the ones that nature made, not the ones that some test tube made. It, and there's, I'm sure you've seen them, but there's a lot of studies out there from some of these um, these cannabis labs where they'll publish what they see in Delta Eight, and there's these crazy isomers that nobody can identify. Right. That's First red flag, and you know, I said we're our values driven to succeed the right way. So we've never touched Delta Eight. We have no plans to. Um, it's just something that was. It's a loophole that people are going after, and the problem is exactly what you said. It's a synthetic, and we have no idea what the safety is. Well, you know, we've, been that, we've been down this path with synthetics before. That's why they came up with some shit called Marinol that nobody ever wanted. Yeah, right. It doesn't affect the endocannabinoid system the way it should. It's just like THCO. All of these yeah. things that these fools are coming up with, I, I literally have been one of the people screaming at the top of my lungs, stay away, stay away, stay away, stay away.
Yet, you know, it's it's proliferation in the industry. And I've even interviewed some people who, you know, I don't I don't cast aspersions. I'm just trying to say, you know, you could be taking people down the wrong path and you're doing detrimental harm to the industry. Well, here in Colorado, they identified that they took it. You know what they said, take it. They took it off the market. They made it illegal here in Colorado. It's still sold. I can go less than a mile from my office right now and buy some. It's the enforcement. There's not the enforcement. They recognize that it's an issue and there's no enforcement. We're hoping and again, trying to push that agenda. Um, but kind of taking this conversation full circle, we have people in the hemp industry that really in, are selling a lot of Delta 8 and that's propping up their business. So we can't come together as an industry to fight that issue. Right, just right. It's back. Right, yeah, because those are the guys that are selling the CBD that's being pushed into Delta 8. Well, look, you know, the Farm Bill is set to expire in 2023. What are your expectations for the next farm bill, you know, uh, new and improved or challenges for the hemp industry? What do you think is going to happen when the new farm bill goes in place? Because I haven't heard much from Boehner lately, and I know that he's, you know, and also uh, uh, McConnell, you know, I've not heard much from him, but I know that his state, that's the only reason why it passed to begin with, because Homeboy wanted to make sure the farmers in Kentucky had a good, you know, first step first bite at the apple but now that they've had it they've made money you know what's next what do you think is going to happen with the next the farm bill yeah i hope we'll, we'll we'll get the um the regulation that we need in it so 2014 legalized hemp to be the 2014 farm bill legalized hemp to be grown 2018 farm bill cleaned it all up said cbd is good to go and pushed it you know hey hopefully the fda can regulate it now, FDA hasn't regulated it yet, and the 2023 Farm Bill, we're hoping that clears it up. So it forces the regulation um, on the FDA, and I think it goes back to the exclusionary provision, um, if you're familiar, which I'm sure you are, of that, um, which is basically why FDA is dragging their feet. One of the main reasons on CBD, right, is because... GW Pharmaceutical studied CBD when it was still technically illegal before 2014. And so we weren't able to sell it and market it. And so therefore they hold a patent on a natural cannabinoid. I mean, you can't make this up. <laughs> the second patent, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so the FDA said, hey, that's still, you know, a pharmaceutical drug, but we'll allow it. And there's there's some definitely some gray area in there when you look at full spectrum products, but we'll, we won't get into the details there, but there's this exclusionary provision that's holding the FDA back. Um, you know, and again, I'm, I'm skipping over some things, but they're holding it back. I think that they'll be able to amend that exclusionary provision in 2023 farm bill. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what the first committee hearing seemed to be pointing towards. Um, obviously it's Washington. So there's a lot of time for lobbyists and our, you know, our, our friends at the pharmaceutical companies to get their hands in there. But the hope is that it says, you know, um, the exclusionary provision um, amends it, they amend it. So it, it, it removes um, cannabinoid products. Mm -hmm. That's so strange. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it is really strange. Now, what do you, th you think that the farm bill will also try to address some of the banking issues? I mean, because I've, I've never understood why we didn't. We haven't been able to get the FDA and others to just get off the back, or the Congress to get off the back. Hemp is hemp. Hemp was being sold in the United States before this farm bill. We had hemp seed protein, you had hemp seed everything, hemp's clothing, and then all of a sudden now they act like, oh, let's make this legal. It's already was legal. 
Right. And and for those who were selling hemp-based products 10 years ago, hemp shampoo, hemp, you know, there's all kinds of hemp products that were out there. I, I used to eat MC Pro, get hemp, I used to buy hemp seed protein from Canada, yep. which is really stupid. And they allowed that to be imported. You know what right. I mean? And there was no problem with that. And the, the companies that were selling it were making big profit, you know, because they were one of the only providers of really good, you know, rich hemp seed protein in the United States. And, um, you know, uh, now we're still running into this ridiculous banking issue when it comes to even hemp products. Yeah, I, I hope they clear it up. Um, you know, safe banking would have helped, obviously, with hemp as well. Um, you know, we don't run into a ton of issues. Uh at our company, except for credit card processing, the credit card companies still we have we have issues there from yeah. time to time. Wow. But I hope it 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 you know the main the biggest thing for me I think is just clearing up that enforcing the FDA regulation because it will clean up the industry. Um, it will um, there won't be as much gray area when we're fighting amongst hemp companies. To your point, it will help the hemp companies hopefully come together because you're either going to have to play by their rules or not at that point, which are the um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that happens. And there's a small chance that it happens before that, where the FDA steps in and regulates it, um, you know, on their own. Um, I know I just saw an article this morning that uh, one of the representatives in Kentucky is going to have a hearing with the commissioner of the FDA and ask them point blank, why, what's going on? Why hasn't anything happened? It's been four and a half years. We've provided you a bunch of information. You know, there's companies out there like us that, have done grass studies, generally recognized as safe, liver toxicity studies. We have all this data. And then, as you mentioned earlier, data that they have, why hasn't anything been done? But we'll see what happens out of that that hearing. I'm not okay. sure. I, I would hope so, because I, I can't see why CBD isn't just uh, uh, considered another nutraceutical. I mean, we don't go through the same crap with vitamin C. Right. Uh, you know, or uh, <laughs> there's a million vitamins that are being sold out there that we've never gone through any of this stuff with. You know what I mean, the idea we we did make you, you know, certify that it was, uh, you know, safe as being used as a, as a nutraceutical. But at the same time, you know, they seem to just have put up roadblocks for CBD just because they maybe don't understand it. Right. Do you guys have anything uh, in the works right now that you want to talk about? No, I think we're going to just continue to, to concentrate on on edibles. They've been uh, really great for us as a business. The consumers love them. Um, that's that's probably what, you know, if if to share what's in the work, is, it's product innovation, product innovation, product innovation, listening to the customer, hearing what their needs are and, and adapting to that. Um, I think we'll continue to explore the minor cannabinoids and invest more in research moving forward. Um, and hopefully be able to make some marketing claims uh, in the future. That's one of the things that's really challenging uh, for us as a business is um, a lot of it's word of mouth um, because I can't go and tell the customer directly what this helps them with. Right. Well, now. There are restrictions on the claims that you can make and the advertising that you can do. Um, but at the same time, it's so strange to me. I mean, well, they, that's the nature of what we're dealing with is the fact that, you know, I can sit back and say, well, if you have a cold, you know, take some zinc. Well, why the hell am I able to say take some zinc if you have a cold? If I can't say <laughs> right. you know, take some CBD. You right. Know, why can't I say, you know, if you have problems sleeping, take some CBN? Why can't I say if you have, 
you know, you have an emotional issues where we now know that there are companies that have isolated CBC in a way that it seems to be a, you know, a mood modulator. It seems to be a, uh, uh, antidepressant, especially in larger quantities. Why can't I say that? If I can say, Oh, take St. John's wort, excuse me, take melatonin, excuse me. What the hell is, uh, why am I stopping you from being able to say this just because it comes from a hemp plant? It's extremely frustrating. And again, it, it does a disservice to the, the consumer because we can't tell them what's out there, a natural remedy for what they're going to take rather than the alternative. Absolutely. So like, like you know, again, uh, throw out some stats so people know where to go if they want to get some information. Where do they go if they want to find more information about your company itself? Yeah, they can go to cbdistillery.com and we have loads of information on all of our products. Um, we do have our studies that we have done. Um, we have all that information there if they're curious and want to start trying to figure out, you know, what is CBN, what is CBC, what is CBG, what are what are CB distillery customers, what benefits are they getting? We can talk about that. Um, and then you'll also see a lot of products, um, the full spectrum products. We do have some higher THC that currently we're legally dis- legal to sell in certain states. Um, THCA? Uh, no, just THC. So we, we do have some higher products that have um, up to five milligrams of THC in those products. Um, we sell them into Minnesota as our main state um, where they put mm-hmm. some legislation where it's up to five milligrams. Um, and so we have we try and be the full cannabinoid company. You can get just a CBD product if you want, but then all these other minors and then THC as well, because I think, you know, when we won't get into it, but um, the benefits of, of THC are obviously uh, and, beyond enormous. And well known. I mean, yeah. Well known and studied by the federal government. Stop. You know, it's I, yeah. when I say stop. I, I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's so ridiculous that that we we got politicians running around. I, I don't believe that there's enough studies been done. And these are the same assholes who sign the budget every year that allows for studies at the University of Mississippi. Stop. They're the same guys who signed the budgets that allowed us to send spend money through NIDA and send it to Israel to back research by people like Dr. Mashulam. People don't know that, you know, the U.S. government funded the majority of the research in Israel in the late 80s, early 90s that identified the efficaciousness of all of the cannabinoids that we've been talking about. Yep. We don't tell people that. And the government seems to act like, you know, they got amnesia. But, you know, the truth is that they know what they've done. Absolutely. For sure. Well, sir, I got to say thank you so much for being a part of the show. You are always welcome back if you ever want to just chop it up and talk about what's going on. Um, if you had to put your crystal ball on, though, what do you think is going to happen in this industry in the next let's let's go one year, two years, five years? So I think we'll get regulation here in the next year, um, hopefully pushed by the, the farm bill. Um, and then in so that really brings us into 2024. And then I think it's going to start to separate um, the bad actors and the good actors and those good actors are going to be able to have a spot um, speaking specifically about CBD um, on the shelf at major retailers. Um, the, the small retailers that do take it right now, you go in there and there's 50 different companies The consumers confused and it's not in line with, you know, the pain products and the products for sleep. It's by itself. That will all change and it will be more mainstream than the number one thing really in that 25, you know, 2025 ish area. Um, I think we're going to see two things. One, studies are going to come out. These these long double blinded studies are going to come out and the consumer is going to get excited about CBD and cannabinoids again and understand um, what it can do for for them and their loved ones. And number two, 
then we're going to get a whole nother slew of competitors right now you know as a business it's really hard we're battling all these immature industry things and politicians and washington and um but then we're going to have large corporations that are going to come into it um to some extent and that's what we got to be ready to battle because um they they know as you said the government knows they also know the benefits of this it's clear as day and they're waiting on the sidelines and so how do we as a company how do we as the industry right now protect ourselves against them in the future um through innovation through quality and whatnot absolutely and i think one of the biggest things will be education 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 the more we get out in front of this and start to educate the consumer, forget about the B2B, let's go to the B2C, you'll find that this industry will be so much more robust than it is right now. But until we come together and do that, ain't gonna happen. Right. That's my point of view. But okay, sir, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I wish you well, good luck to the company and keep, again, reach out to us. We'd love to have you back on, okay? Will do, really enjoyed it, thank you. Yes, sir, for sure. I enjoyed it, too. And thank you for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.